You know, we, most of us have walked close enough to hell at points in our life that we've gotten the smell of smoke on us. Now, it would be fine if all we walked away from those scenarios and those situations where things were done to us or we've done to others or all of the things in our past, if we only walked away with the smell. But the reality is we walk away from far more than that because hell leaves its mark on us, doesn't it? When people lie to us or hurt us when they say things or we hurt other people or we're, in, we're involved with something that we shouldn't be involved in, when we open the door to hell, it just doesn't just leave its mark. It leaves its stronghold because the devil is always looking for a key to turn, to enter your heart, your home, your family, your life, your ministry, your small group, your business, every part of your world, the enemy always wants to penetrate And because of our past and our pain, because of what we've done and what's been done to us, because of what wasn't done to us that we think should have been done, what we didn't get that we wanted to get because of our past, because of our hurt, it leaves a door for the enemy. But I want to tell you, no matter how deep the hurt is, no matter how strong and powerful that the hold the enemy has had on you, it is the will of Jesus to set you free. Amen. It is his will. Now, what I believe is happening at Faith Promise Now is I believe revival is breaking out. I believe that the Lord came, has come to set us free. I believe that all year long since we started the 100-fold harvest, since we've all started reading the Word of God together, since we began the year with a 21-day fast, God has begun to breathe life into us that we've never experienced before. And we've moved, and now as we moved into this series, Open House, we've set three back-to-back-to-back record attendances, and I believe we'll set a fourth this weekend because God is moving. And he truly is setting the captive free. It's just a serious move of God that we're experiencing. Would you all agree with that? Now, next weekend is Labor Day. I tried every way I could to cancel that, but it just didn't work out, you know, because, you know, we, God is doing so much. So if you're gone next week in your camp in your last hoorah or whatever, I want to challenge you. Uh, we have a new, we have new uh, time frames on our, on our campus Saturday night and Sunday times. If you're gone, get on so you don't miss like, like next weekend, the, the conclusion of this series and and then when you come back after, after Labor Day, come back to church. <laughs> Amen? Come on, come on back and let's continue God moving. Because listen, God is always looking, I mean, the devil is always looking for access. Against why we entitled this series, Open House, because he's always looking. Now, would y'all, would y'all agree that there are many, many believers in bondage? Absolutely. 6,500 people with us this weekend at all of our campuses. There are people in bondage. There's no question. So if you've missed a message in the last four weeks, every weekend, they've ta- you guys have taken every CD and DVD. Man, there's more this week. Or if you don't get one of those, go to faithpromise.org, and you can just listen to it, podcast it, download it, listen from there. And, and, and don't miss the messages in this series because they're all so vitally important. Now, by the way, welcome to all of our campuses. 
Whether you're out in Blount County or, or where you're out in Camel County or out in Blount County, whether you're in Anderson County or North Knox, whether you're on the Internet Campus or Pellissippi Campus, wherever you're worshiping this weekend, we're thrilled that you're with us and believe that God is moving actually at every campus. Other campuses are, are being forced to add another service. We're being forced soon to add another service, even though we just moved into this at Pellissippi, this greatly expanded sanctuary. But God is moving. Amen. It is so exciting. So I want to I want to give you three things this weekend. Three as we talk about believers being in bondage, three marks or three things that you can see bondage in the life of believers. Are you ready? If you're ready, Sam, ready. Number one, the, the number one way that we can tell that believers are in bondage is continued iniquity. Continued iniquity. That means you are you continue to sin or walk in an area of stronghold. In John chapter 8, starting in verse 31, the paragraph that we've talked about all month, all, all month, Jesus was saying to the Jews who had what? Believed. So he's talking to believers. He's talking to the Jews who have believed in him. If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. If you what? Continue in the word. How many people started in the word and stopped the word? How many people got active in church and then quit going to church, quit walking in the Word? If you are truly disciples, there's only one absolute ultimate way that you can tell someone is born again. They don't quit. Amen? They finish the race. So it said, if you continue my Word, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you what? free again. It will make you. There's a process of deliverance. There's a process of freedom. There are great days where burdens are lifted or strongholds are pulled down, but there is a steady process because we all need deliverance and we all need discipleship. So we've got to abide in the Word. Now, I want you to look at the religious people's response. People that believed in Jesus. So they've said, you're the Messiah. They answered and said to him, this is the religious response. We are Abraham's descendants and have never yet been enslaved to anyone. Have these people ever read the Old Testament? What are they? Is that blindness or what? See, listen, it is so easy to have this religious blindness. We've never, we've never been enslaved to anyone. Listen, they were enslaved to everyone. The Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Philistines, the Egyptians, they were in in bondage everywhere. How is it that you say that that you'll be free? We don't need to be free. We've always been free. Well, I don't know what they were smoking. But listen, this is the same thing that happens in the church today. We've reached a message, a series on deliverance, and people say, I don't need deliverance. Really? If you let me come home for a couple days, I could spot a few things. You know what I'm talking about? And if you came home with me, you'd probably spot a few things. That's why we get in groups and help spot for each other. Say, wow, do you see that? The king's naked. Somebody tell him. But it's the deal. We say, no, no, man, I don't need need deliverance. I'm not in bondage. I'm not naked. I don't have any lust. I don't have a spirit of pride. I'm not greedy. 
I don't have any fear. I don't have a spirit of anger. I'm not bitter. I don't have any bitterness or jealousy or wrath or malice. I don't have any unforgiveness. I'm actually walking pretty good. I really don't need deliverance in any area of my life. Holy cow, where did you come from? You've dropped out of heaven. See, we're, we all, we're all broken, aren't we? We all were born broken, and we've been broken. And then as, as, as the world attacks us and things happen to us, like you saw in that video, we get brokener. It's bad English, but it's good theology. We're just brokener. We're just more and more broken, more and more stuff. And we believe more and more lies of the devil and more and more lies of our culture, more and more lies, and we look in the mirror. And when we look in the mirror, we don't see reality. Sometimes we're blinded to our strongholds. Sometimes we look in the mirror through the lens of the lies Lucifer has told us. It's like someone that's anorexic that weighs 89 pounds and looks in the mirror and says, I am fat. And you look at him and you say, there's not a cell of adipose tissue on your body. Do you, uh, what, what do you mean that you are, there's no, you don't have any body fat. You're 0% body fat. Look, you can see your old skeleton. But see, that's not what they see, is it? Why? Because they believed a lie. Something's happened. And so we, so easy for us to believe lies. So Jesus said, he said in John chapter 8, verse 34 through 36, he continues on this. And they answered him, we have Abraham's descendants. We've never been enslaved to anyone. How is do you say you, you will become free? And then Jesus answers the question. Jesus answered it, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits, does anybody this weekend commit sin? So everyone that commits sin is the slave of sin. It's a slave. But Jesus said, the slave does not remain in the house forever, but the son does remain forever. And if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. See, he says, if you continue, talking about continue in sin, which means to continue, to plan to, to formulate, make a way that you can continue in this certain stronghold. It's not a mistake. It's not a slip. It's not something that you did that you repent of you're not going to do again. No, it's a lifestyle of continually breaking the heart of God and breaking the word of God by this continued repetitive sin in some area in your life. Now, we began this message by all agreeing that believers, their believers can be in bondage. Is that right? And so again, it's not a mistake. It, it's not that. It's something, it's something far more. It's something so much bigger. It's a stronghold that, that, that enters your life. And I was praying uh, this last week, and God just gave me this thought while I was praying. And, and I was thinking about the, us and the church, and I was thinking about success. And, and I just saw my, my mind as an art gallery. And, you know, our, art galleries have different rooms. And I walked into the room of success and looked at the paintings that all kind of other people hung in my mind of what success is. We all have an art gallery, don't we? And coaches or parents or teachers or pastors or friends or, you know, people we grew up with, all of them hang things, hang those things in, our, in the art gallery. They, they hang them one by one. And, and some of those are great. My first pastor, John Yarbrough, taught me about, man, living the Word of God and evangelism and, and souls and revival and all that. He also said to be successful, I needed to be the president of the Southern Baptist Convention. 
That's never going to happen. <laughs> never. New president, Ronnie Floyd, great guy. It's never going to happen. So you know what I did years ago? I walked into my art gallery and I took that painting. I took it down and I threw it away. Because I don't want to be the president of the Southern Baptist Convention. But, but see, that was, a, that was a portrait that my pastor hung up in my mind. And we all have these portraits of what success is and what we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to do. But we're, we're, so that when we have these wrong pictures hanging in our mind, these strongholds, see, the strongholds change how we think. We begin to orb our life around these strongholds so that we can do them. On a business trip, or when everybody's gone to bed or whatever, you know, we decide that success is having a lot of money. So it's okay that I pad my expense account. It's okay that I lie to the IRS. They really ask for too much money anyway. And we justify these things, don't we? Excuse me? Yeah, we justify these things. Don't make me call your name and, and your stronghold. And so, and it's just, it's the deal. And so and what we need to do is plan to uproot the stronghold, but without even realizing it, the enemy has caused us to protect the stronghold in our lives. Does that make sense? We protect it because of some lie or something or, or whatever. And so if, if you have a stronghold, and most of us do, step number one is to bring that stronghold into the light, out of the darkness. If it's in the darkness, the devil owns it. If it's in the light, then God owns it. But if you remain in the sin, if you remain in the stronghold, then let me tell you what, permission's been granted to the devil. Does that make sense? It's open house. You've given the enemy access. If you're married to your marriage or to your kids, because you've opened a door, a window, a basement, the garage, somewhere you've opened, and the enemy has absolute access. And if we continue to commit that sin, then Jesus said we are a slave to that sin. Does that make sense? I, Talked to a couple of guys that were crack addicts, have been crack addicts for 20 years. And I said, listen, what I want you to do every morning, I want you to get up, take your little piece of wood, put a nail and a rock on it. And every day I want you to get, I just want you to bow down to that crack. Just go out every day. They said, that's crazy. I said, it's your God. You're a slave to the crack, right? Or alcohol or pornography or lust or whatever. Man, we need to, it, because it, it, it was the most important thing in their life. Everything orbed around doing that. And so, listen, we don't, we, we don't need to be a slave when Jesus has called us a son. See, the slave is not always in the house, but the son abides forever. We're sons and daughters of God, are we not? Then we need to walk in liberty. We need to, we need to get real and right and raw and, and come clean. Romans 6, 16 says this. Don't, do you not know that when you pre your, present yourself to someone as a slave for obedience, you are slaves uh, to the one, the one whom you obey? You're a slave, either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness. When you present your body as a member, either to slave of righteousness or unrighteousness, Jeremiah 7 says this, Behold, you're trusting in deceptive words to no avail. Will you still murder and commit adultery and swear falsely and, and offer sacrifices to Baal and walk after other gods that you have not known? What, what are you guys doing? Then come and stand before me, God speaking. You're out there bowing to these other gods. Then you come to stand before me in this house, call by my name and say, we're delivered. <laughs> we're, we're delivered. You've just been worshiping idols. We're not delivered. Come on, is that right? We're not delivered that you may do all these abominations, not hardly. Has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of robbers in your sight? Behold, 
I, even I, have seen it, declares the Lord. We need, to be, we need to come right. We need to confess and get delivered. Amen? We need to confess and get delivered. We need to, get, we need to bring it out and talk to a pastor. We can give an invitation in a few minutes. You can walk up and share. Or your small group leader or someone in your small group say, I got this issue, man. I need to, I need to, I need to come clean with this because I want to be delivered. I want to confess it. I want to turn from it. I want to repent of it. Amen? Now, number two is very difficult. I debated hotly within myself, honestly, about, about, about bringing your attention to number two that you can see that you're in bondage because I don't want you to take it wrong. So let me walk through it quickly. Continued illness. Is all illness sin? No. Is all illness because I don't have enough faith to be healed? Absolutely not. Everybody's going to die unless Jesus comes back, right? Everybody's going to die something. That's, that's not what I'm talking about. That's not the deal. But, but So let's tread carefully. Luke chapter 13, verse 11 through 16. And there was a woman who for 18 years had a sickness caused by what? A spirit. Now, was Jesus just primitive and didn't know what was going on? No. So this woman, 18 years by a spirit, and she was bent and could not straighten up at all. Jesus saw her. He called her over and said to her, woman, you are freed from your sickness. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made erect again and began glorifying God. But the synagogue official, indignant because Jesus healed on the Sabbath, began saying to the crowd in response, there are six days in which still work should be done, so come during them and get healed and not on the Sabbath. Of course, they couldn't heal anybody. It's only when Jesus was there that someone could get healed. But the Lord answered and said, you hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox? And his donkey from the stall and lead him away to water him? Of course you do. And this woman, a daughter of Abraham, and she is whom Satan had bound for 18 years. Should, I not have been, should, I not, should she not have been released from this, from this bond on the Sabbath day? See, there are, there are, there are sicknesses that just, man, it just, it just is and and I'm not saying every sickness, so man, don't, I'm not getting hyper overly spiritual and, because I grew up, my, my first church is in a place where, man, there's a lot of bad theology and if, if someone died or you didn't get healed, you didn't have enough faith, those people never read the Bible because see, Paul was sick and never got healed. So let's be biblically balanced, amen? Can we put our big boy pants on and, and let, let's deal with this? So, so see, this woman wasn't a bad woman. She was a daughter of Abraham, but she was in bondage. She was in bondage to the enemy. And sometimes we can be ill on a continuing basis and it can be bondage. Deuteronomy 28, 58. Moses said, if you're not careful to observe all the words in this law, which are written in this book, to fear, uh, to fear this honored and awesome name, the Lord your God, then the Lord will bring extraordinary plagues on you and your descendants. Ooh, that's ugly. Even severe and lasting plagues are miserable in chronic sickness. Chronic sickness. He will bring back on you all the diseases of Egypt, which you were afraid, and they will cling to you. So every sickness and every plague, which is not written in the books of this law, and the Lord will bring on you, and, uh, bring on you until you are destroyed. Now, that's a bad deal. If you know uh, Acts 10, 38. Uh, you know of Jesus of Nazareth, how you know of him, the Holy Spirit with power. And so this is the deal. Not every illness is caused. So, again, don't freak out. Don't send me a 1,000 emails this week and say, I'm sick. Is this, is this, 
you know, is this an open door? Did I do something? I don't know. You need someone with a gift of discernment, which is not me. That's my wife. Obviously, I don't have the gift of discernment. And so it's just not where, I, it's not where I'm strong. So don't, don't ask me that question. And again, sickness is not necessarily caused by someone that has too little faith. There, the Bible calls a spirit of infirmity or sickness. It is when people think that it is normal for them to be sick all the time. Have y'all talked to people like that? As a matter of fact, I think many of us bring sickness on ourselves because we say, well, I'm going to get the flu this fall. Well, why don't you just claim that in Jesus' name? I mean, if you're going to claim something, why don't you claim I'm not going to get the flu this fall? I mean, dang. As the Bible says, man, if you're not careful, what you fear will come upon you. Do you know what the greatest fear? Do you know right now that cancer is no longer the greatest physical fear anymore? It's Alzheimer's and dementia. It's memory disease. And do you know how many of us have sit around and said, have I got Alzheimer's? I've, I've got it. If you're 54, you have probably asked that question because you don't remember your kid's name. But, <laughs> but, but y'all know what I'm talking about? We begin to say, well, you know, my grandmother died when she was 50 and my mom died when she was 50. I'll probably die when I'm 50. That, you see what I'm talking about? And we begin to call onto ourselves or we just, we've opened the door because of something in the past and, and we just let a spirit of infirmity live at our house. And so we just have to be very careful. Amen? Is that okay? All right. Number three. Let's get one more. Continued influence of the demonic. So it's continued iniquity, continued sickness can be, and then continued, you know, continued access that the enemy has or influence the enemy has. In Mark 7, chapter 24, it says this, Jesus got up and went away from there to a region of Tyre. And when he had entered a house, he wanted... Uh, he wanted no one to know of it, yet he could not escape notice. He's trying to hide. Y'all ever, ever wanted to hide from everybody? And so did Jesus. After, being, after hearing of him, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately came and fell at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile of Syrophoenician race, and she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. Look at this. Listen to this. This, 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 is, this has been a puzzling passage for me. And he was saying to her, let the children be satisfied first. It's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the what? Did he just call her a dog? I mean, isn't that cruel? Rude? Crude? I mean, what's that? But she answered and said to him, yes, Lord, but even the dogs under the table feed on the children's crumbs. I love that desperation. And he said to her, because of this answer, go, the demon has gone out of your daughter. And going back to her home, she found the child lying in the bed and the demon having left her. Now, Tyre uh, was, 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 or Phoenicia, two regions, they were the seat of paganism. Remember Jezebel, Ahab's wife, we talked about Ahab last weekend. Jezebel was from this region. This lady is Syro-Phoenician. She is of she is of mixed origin. She is part uh, Phoenician. She's she's part Tyre, and 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 this is this again. This is a this is a seat of of the occult. It's the seat of paganism. All this stuff is going on, and so this lady represent a represents a mixture. And this is what we have in the church: a mixture. I love when people ask me theological questions because half of them there are no answer to. 
I had a family visiting a couple weeks ago, emailed me and said, hey, you know, you said there's either two teams. You're born on the devil's team or the God team. We don't believe, you know, we don't believe that, yada, 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 and, I, and the, we believe this. And I said, well, what you believe, there's no biblical reference for. And a ton of us believe things about God, but there's no biblical reference. You know what I'm talking about? And so they were mad, so we're not coming back. And I wanted him about good. But a pastor's not supposed to do that. See, the, the, this lady is a mixture of Judaism, or, or this lady is a mixture of paganism. And, and, and so what we do is, is many of us, our life is a mixture of influences, some biblical, some cultural, some satanic, some demonic, some heavenly, all that kind of stuff. Because if we really back, back and look at our life, all of us from time to time probably opened the door of the devil and said, come on in. Ever, do you ever play seances when you were a kid? Ouija boards? Go to, a, go to a fortune teller? How about checking your horoscope every day before you leave? Listen, skip the horoscope and open the Word of God. Amen. See, but what we do is we play with this stuff, don't we? We just play around with it. We open the door. We just open it up and say, come on in. It's crazy. But see, we're, 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 we, we mix all this up. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 9 through 12. When you enter the land which the Lord your God gives you, you shall not learn to imitate the detestable things of the nations. There should not be found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire. They did it to the God of Molech, who uses divination, who practices witchcraft, or one who interprets omens, or a sorcerer, one who casts a spell, a medium, or a spiritist, one who calls up the dead. For whoever does these things is detestable to the Lord. We open the door, and because of these detestable things, the Lord your God will drive them out before you. He's driven these people out. God did. He said, don't do what they did. What did Israel do? Everything they did and worse. You, the God of Molech was a skillet. You ever gone to, you ever, your, your grandmother used to cook with a big iron skillet, black thing. Y'all remember those? My wife makes cornbread in them. It's awesome. They had one about 20 feet across. They built a fire underneath it until the skillet was red hot and throw their children on it and offer them to the God of Molech. God said, I can't even, God said, I couldn't even think about that and y'all have done that. This is horrible because what have they done? They've taken a mixture of, of the word of God and then the people of the land. We take a mixture of the word of God and then Hollywood and how we grew up and all these other things. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 says this, Do not be bound together with unbelievers. For partnership have righteousness and lawlessness. Or what fellowship is light with darkness? Who's speaking into your life? What harmony has Christ with Belial? Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And, and, so, and so what we see, man, we see... We're, we're not to, man, we're to drive all this stuff out of us, not let it come into us. 1 Corinthians 5.11. But actually I wrote to you not to associate with any so-called brother, sister, a believer who is an immoral person or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard, a swindler, not even to eat with such a one. He's not talking about lost people that you're ministering to. He's talking about church people that are speaking into your life, living one way and saying something else. Be careful who speaks into the life of your children. Be careful who speaks into the life of your marriage or your business or your small group. We are so hyper-careful who serves in our children and student ministry at every campus. We are hyper-careful. 
And people are mad because, well, listen, why can't I work? Hey, listen, our children's protection is more important than you. So, man, we're not playing those games. We're careful. Why? Because, man, somebody's back there right now rocking somebody, my grand, my six-month-old granddaughter in the, in, the, in the nursery rocking her, whispering in her ear. What are they whispering? Let me tell you, they're whispering, Jesus loves you. You're beautiful. God has a plan for your life, man. God's got a calling on your life. They're speaking over those babies. They're loving on those babies and pouring the Word of God, and then they get to be terrors or crawlers. I'm sorry. I meant to say crawlers. They need to be crawlers, and man, there's somebody praying over those kids in love. Man, we are careful who we let work with, and we don't care if that makes people mad. The Bible says, beware who you walk with, who speaks into your life, who influences you, who are you allowing to influence you, and are they speaking the word of God to you, or are they speaking the God of their imagination? Because I've found a lot of people don't worship the God of this book, they worship the God of their imagination. You know what I'm talking about? And so, man, we have to be, are we Bible people? Man, listen, one of our main values is God gets the last word. Who's speaking in your kids? Who's speaking in your marriage? Are the people that are around you drawing you away from God? Are they drawing you to God? Are you, the people in your group, the people you work with, are you drawing people to God? Are you, are you pushing people away from God? Now, the woman that asked for deliverance who came in, 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 in Mark chapter 7, and Jesus said, the, you know, the, the, that's where you use the dog deal. Now, the woman was Gentile, Syrophoenician race, and she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. Kept asking. He was saying there, let the children be satisfied first, for it's not good to take the children's bread and give it to the dogs. Why did, why did Jesus call this woman a dog? Because well, Jesus is never crude and rude, is he? That's not, our Lord, that's not what our Lord does. But what he was doing was using biblical language to refer to that the woman was lost. In Revelation 22, 14, and 15, Blessed are those who wash their robes, so they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter by the gates into the city, the new city. Outside are what? The dogs. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 2, the same thing. We are warned to beware of the dogs. Beware of the dogs. Who are the dogs? Lost people. We're not talking about a German shepherd or a pit bull here. We're talking about people who are far from God, who do not know God, who don't believe the things of God. And so Jesus, really, you know what he's saying to her? Listen, this is what Jesus was actually saying. Deliverance is for believers, and you're not. You're not. And so he said, we don't take the children's bread. Hey, listen, church, this is so cool. What's the children's bread? Deliverance. Man, he's provided for us at the table of, of the Lord. Man, deliverance. Woohoo, man, that don't light your fire. I don't light your fire. Listen, you don't have wood. You saved don't light your fire, your wood's wet. That don't light your fire. You don't have any wood. Deliverance is available. But you know what she did? She humbles herself before the Lord in front of God and everyone. In front of the crowd, in verse 28, she, 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 she answered and said to him, Yes, Lord, but even the dogs under the table feed on the children's crumbs. And he said to her, because of this answer, what was that? Two things about that answer. Number one, she was absolutely humble, wasn't she? Who do you think you are calling me a dog? I will get up all in your face calling me a dog. No, no. She said, listen, Lord, even the dogs get to eat the scraps that fall from the master's table. I know you're the master. I know. 
She was humble and she was desperate. Have you ever been desperate? I said, let me tell you, I'm desperate right now for God to move. If you could have been on the back deck with me this morning as I was praying for you at every campus, that God would set people free. For four weeks, people have set invitations in this and have set on their hands and said, no, I don't need any. I'm desperate for revival. I'm desperate for you to walk in freedom. I'm desperate for you to overcome. Does that, does that make sense? That we eat the bread, that we eat the bread that comes from the master's table. This is the deal. Too many of us have believed lies, haven't we? We believe lies. We've looked in the mirrors and we've seen things that are not true. We looked in the mirrors and we've seen, we've seen lies of the enemy. We've looked in the mirrors and, and we've believed things that are not true. We've seen images of us. We have looked in that mirror and listen, it's time we quit looking in that mirror and we look in the Word of God. Come on, church. Come on, man. It's time for freedom. It's time to be delivered. It's time for the captives to be set free. It's time to walk on the water. It's time to say yes to God and say no to the enemy. It's time to confess and repent and say, Lord God, we need you. Come on. Somebody, Blunt, Campbell, come on, North Knoxville, Anderson. My goodness. Spirit of God. Spirit of God, fall. Every campus as the bands are coming back out as we begin to move into a time of invitation and deliverance. Holy God, would you give rhema? Would you give revelation? God, would you set the captives free? God, would you move in such a way? Holy Spirit, would you move in this time that we see it, that we confess, that we repent, that we walk in freedom and liberty. We refuse to live in a stronghold, but we're going to walk in purity and power. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So, Sunil, don't you stand? Go ahead, stand up. As we begin to worship, come on, prayer teams, campus pastors, elders, uh, our, all of our, you guys begin to make your way forward. Come on right now. And as we worship, man, you can make an altar where you are. You can come ask people to pray for you, whatever you need to do. Hey, let's obey what God says, and revival will break out. Amen.